Pod Doctors is brought to you by the Kindle book, Saving Limbs, Saving Lives, Advanced Treatments to Prevent Amputations in Diabetic Populations. This book by Dr. Damien Dauphiné discusses specific patient cases in diabetic limb preservation, which highlight the modern use of wound care technology that has exploded in the last 20 years. With only one advanced therapy available in 1999, there are now hundreds of options to help close chronic wounds in diabetic patients. Dr. Dauphiné distills these options down to show patients and physicians treating these patients how combinations of these products can be used to save limbs and save lives. Welcome to The Pod Doctors. I'm Dr. Damien Dauphiné, board-certified foot and ankle surgeon, my partner, Dr. Rafa Hussein, fellowship-trained podiatric surgeon, and we are The Pod Doctors. Each week, The Pod Doctors will be discussing aspects of podiatric medicine and surgery to educate our audience on common foot and ankle problems and the latest treatment options available. We hope to bring you interesting and informative shows each week discussing Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, and YouTube, where you can view our videos. So please like and subscribe, and we will see you next time on The Pod Doctors. Welcome to The Pod Doctors. I'm Dr. Damien Dauphiné, and I'm here with my partner, Dr. Raphael Hussain. And today we are going to talk a little bit about a procedure we did a few weeks ago on hallux rigidus. We've had a show on hallux rigidus. Yeah, one of um, our first few episodes. Right. So we've gotten a little better at this since then. And I think we can combine some of the information that we talked about back then with the actual surgery itself. And so this ought to be pretty cool. Yeah, this is one of your patients. How You did this recently, right? Yeah. 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 Just a few weeks ago. Yeah. She's doing great. So hallux rigidus. So hallux rigidus is a fancy way of saying that you have arthritis in the big toe joint. What ends up happening through either trauma, biomechanics, foot structure, job, occupation, a combination thereof, you end up getting a little wear and tear in that joint and you end up getting jamming, which causes a little arthritis and then bone spurs and limitation of that moment. Typically, we try to do our conservative options and you know, shoe modification, orthotics, steroid shots. Uh, am I missing anything? Uh, that's the gamut. I think stiffer shoes. Yeah. And another thing, I think people, uh, if they're wearing Keds or Toms. I know, a or, lot of flats and Toms. Yeah, and shoes that are just really flexible. If you've got a joint uh, issue and you're asking a lot of that joint because of the flexibility of the shoe, you're going to make it worse and it's going to really hurt. So these folks... The body's literally trying to fuse the joint. So when you see these stages get worse, you're starting to see bone growth that's limiting the motion even more. And some people, they look like this. Their x-rays look terrible and they have yeah. no pain. Yeah, because the body's pretty much locked Splinted up that joint. It. Yeah, it's not going anywhere. So like this this patient, this E picture, yeah. that pa that patient may not have any pain at all. Yeah, as They're, long as it's, it's fused in the uh, good alignment. It, yeah, and in this case, they probably have irritation between the big toe and the second toe. And yeah. that, may, that may be why you would consider doing something, but... So that, you know, it's, there's definitely gradations to this for stage one, stage two, stage three, and that's kind of what they're showing on the left. So 
when we decide to do surgery and what type of surgery we decide to do is based on the patient's activity level and based on how much damage has happened to the joint. Luckily, with the advent of most of these new implants and things, we're able to salvage a lot of these. But when it's too far gone or they're older or based on their functionality, we may talk about fusing. But in this case, you did a joint salvage type of procedure, yeah? Well, I, no, it's still a joint destructive well, I mean, procedure. Yeah, you're it's still don't, yeah, because you're yeah. taking the joint out, but it is retaining range of motion. Yeah. So they still have some range of motion. Normal range of motion, you know, should be forty to sixty degrees. Yeah. You know, these folks probably don't need sixty degrees of motion. They They're going to do what, fine with thirty. Yeah, they just need that twenty to thirty yeah. for walking for ambulation. Right. And they should work pretty great. Um, most of these cases, I mean, a lot of. The, the times we're seeing them afterwards and it looks like they never even had surgery they're doing great and these are and my preference is the hemi implants yeah. which have been around for 60 plus years there are people literally walking this earth who've had that hemi implant put in 50 60 years ago there's no component to them that'll wear out yeah they're pretty stupid proof they're easy to put in and they work great in 23 years never had to take one out <laughs> so you know I, i'll take those odds so incision placement is just like your bunion incision. I'm not going to dive into this. We've done this multiple times. Let's jump into the case. So when I do these, I'm I'm paying attention to the pre-op x-rays and looking for elevatus where the first metatarsal is sitting too high. Mm -hmm. So I almost always combine this with an osteotomy or a, a bone cut that allows me to drop the metatarsal head two or three millimeters because then the big toe can ride on top again. You want to show that with like while we're while we're doing the dissection. Yeah. So that with that, yeah. when he's saying elevatus, your met primus elevatus is when that first metatarsal starts lifting up and you end up getting jamming. It's a functional limitation of that joint. Right. So when he's talking about plantar flexing, we move that distal fragment down. Right. So now you have great range of motion. A lot of the times in, in, in clinic, I'll show patients their, if it's functional, their little biomechanical thing. I'm right. like, look, I'm putting two pounds of pressure right underneath that first metatarsal head. I'll jam that joint. I mean, I'm putting just a little bit of pressure on that joint, and that joint will not move. You get a windless, you know, yeah. a windless mechanism Bring that down. problem where the, the toe literally can't do it. It can't dorsiflex beyond a certain point. So then, yeah, that jamming is what leads to the cartilage loss. So if you look at the first metatarsal head in this yeah, picture, that. that's all cartilage loss. That's bone. That's exposed subchondral bone. So this lady had exposed subchondral bone on both sides of the yeah. joint. Look where, at that. It's completely gone on yeah. that. Based so that's, that that's probably 40% of the metatarsal head, the whole medial and dorsal aspect. Yeah. So basically what Dr. D is going to do now is knock off all the prominences, a little chylectomy, mm -hmm. and then prepare the joints for that Youngswick type of osteomy, decompress that joint, and to replace that base of that phalanx. Sometimes if they're older or, or if the pathology isn't that bad, we can get away with aggressive Youngswick. I mean, I know that used to be, you know, knocking off mm -hmm. that, that 10 to 20%. Now a lot of papers have come out that have shown knocking off a good third plus right. of those sides. So yesterday I had a, a case, uh, older lady, she needed a bunion, but she also had a little bit of jamming that joint. So what I did- Yeah, you can did, have both easily. Yeah, yeah. so I did my, my bunion, I, I shifted it over, fixed it at two screws, and then I went back and I recontoured that head. So I cleaned off that dorsal prominence and knocked off a good 20, 30%. And then off the base of the proximal phalanx also, knocking off a good portion to get that range of motion again. And I mean, she did great. I put that, a little bone wax on it, make sure it doesn't grow back. That, that's where I think if, if you just go in and you're going to do a chylectomy, 
you're buying the patient maybe time. Yeah, you're not fixing the deformity. Right, and and that's why if I'm going to do a chylectomy, I think putting in the hemi implant is an, yeah. one extra step. It's very quick, and then that's probably going to be a definitive procedure for that patient. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't do a lot of just general chylectomies by themselves anymore. I, I, you throw in the hemi and these patients do great. Now we get into the osteotomy parts. Yeah, so I'm probably using the bone saw to remodel this a little bit. Yeah, there's yeah. taking there's off the There's that little, the little chylectomy, knocking yeah. off that dorsal prominence. Because even no matter what you do, there's still going to be that prominence there that builds up over time. And then I'll do, you know, like I said, I almost always do a Youngswick osteotomy, which is a plantar flexor osteotomy to bring that head down. Because that's the reason they got the jamming in the first place. Yes. So I, I just, in my head, I just don't think it makes a lot of sense. to If you just slam the hemi home and they still jam, is that going to lend lend itself to problems later on? The likelihood is yes. So now I'm taking off the base of the proximal phalanx. And so you the, see that Dr. D held that toe in neutral position. Right. A lot of the times the toe will have some angulation depending on how much wear and tear there is. If there's a bunion, whatever might be going on, uh, you have to hold that toe in the reduced position and then knock it off parallel to that it, joint. Because it would be nice if you could essentially get the same correction you would with an Aiken at yeah. the same time. And, and if you're careful with your bone cuts, you can do that. Now, Dr. D is knocking off that medial prominence, that medial shelf. And, and that probably isn't that critical, no. but it leaves me the flat surface to then yeah. do the osteotomy uh, more yeah. precisely. So they didn't have a huge medial eminence. It was just that we take a little bit off so that we have a flat surface. And you use a, a jig for these, right? A little yeah, osteotomy it's, guide? It's called a AccuCut guide. I think these are great. They just yeah. make it stupid proof. So I can create that two millimeter shelf on top. So when you when you look at that chevron, if I take a two millimeter shelf of bone out of the top part of that V, I can drop the whole head about four millimeters. Yeah, because blade blade in the two millimeters. You, you you remove about a millimeter of bone with each blade cut. Beautiful. And I think this osteotomy guide makes this just more precise. You, know, uh, you got double ended wires. You got to be careful with these. We cut them off. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, we beautiful. cut them off. We go ahead and position that with a coker, and then we we trim them down so they don't get in the way. So now we're using the same bone saw through the, the little slits there. And, and, and that makes sure that they're perfectly parallel. Yeah, because if you angle these cuts slightly and you're off a little bit, then shifting the bone over is really hard. You can freehand this. And to, to, a lot of docs do. Yeah. But yeah, I like I the, just I prefer the precision I can get from this thing, and it doesn't cost that much money. They're oh, relatively no. And they're, they're reusable for the most part. No, these are disposable. Oh, these are the yeah, plastic ones? Yeah, these are ones? peak. Yeah, those are uh, peak, okay, okay. so they're disposable. I've used the metallic ones. Um yeah, now they, I just freehand them, but maybe does uh, where we do surgeries? Did this oh yeah, Wise has them. them. Oh yeah, beautiful. All right, yeah, I'll yeah. take advantage of that. So, oh, that's a great picture of the of the two millimeter dorsal arm V. That's exactly what I do, and yeah. it allows you to drop that metatarsal head slightly so that you can improve range of motion. So here's kind of like a before, you know, that metalobotus we were talking about, mm -hmm. and what Doctor D is doing is dropping that metatarsal head, recontouring it. And hopefully decompressing that joint. So at the has, same time, yeah. Mm -hmm. So he has great range of motion after that repair. Right. Now you also got to be careful sometimes that we don't really dive too much into this. But sometimes if the second metatarsal head is too long, you're constantly kind of playing like a, a weird balancing game. And that's when orthotics and things after surgery will help make up that difference. Right. But very common, like shortening type of osteotomies. So taking the uh, the guide wires out for the AccuCut system, you'll you know, see a nice thin wafer kind of come out of there. Yeah. And I can usually get these out in one piece, thankfully. Um, the osteotomy guide makes this fairly easy. Just grab a, a needle nose, usually, or the brown. Pop that sucker out. Sometimes you have to just get a little lateral release going. Yeah. 
and this patient, it was, you know, pretty strictly hallux rigidus. They didn't have a bunion deformity to, to speak of. Yeah. A little bit of interphalangeus of the hallux. So a little angulation of the hallux. So hopefully we can move that move, move that over um, with our osteotomy. Um, and then we should see that the next step would be putting in the screw here. Yeah, so which way do you go? Do you go, so you go end-to-end, -end, do you go backwards? In, in this I case, I, I did it pretty traditional, dorsal distal, the plantar proximal. I'm pretty sure I ended up doing that. Sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll just not like the angle, and yeah. I'll be like, nah, I'm going to come the other direction. Yeah, see, there you go. I didn't like the angle, so I'm like, no, nope, I can do that. So we're going to go the other direction. Yeah, you got to be able to accommodate in surgery. Surgery is, is yeah, it's tons of skill. There's textbook, you know, answers. But there's always those small details that, that involve a little artistic uh, influence. So this allow, allowed me to then bury the, the, the screw threads yeah. subchondrally, grab a bunch of cancellous bone, and you get good compression that way. Let's jump ahead to the x-rays. Yeah, there you go. Put so the screw in. Let's go backwards. And then we've taken, I don't know if we, yeah, it looks like we've taken. There you go. That's your countersink. So the countersink is what allows the head of the screw to sit nice and flush against the bone. So you don't cause a stress riser. Yeah. yeah. Now you're measuring, measuring yeah. the these wires, they come in set lengths and that measuring tool, we can kind of tell once we drive that wire and it just breaks towards that, that, um, that distal cortex, then we're like, all right, we can take off a two, three millimeters, depending on how much you mm -hmm. feel. And then you have enough. And then obviously if you're bearing it, maybe a little bit more. Um, so that little measuring device will tell us how long the recommended length for this will be. And we'll typically, and I'm, I probably pre-drilled that proximal cortex oh, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. yeah. And we'll typically, you know, get C-arm x-ray views of this to make sure that the guide wire is in the right position. Because if it's too long, yeah. your screw is going to be too long. So oh, yeah. you know. That's happened to me. You know, sometimes you're like, oh, I'm, I'm great. Look. And then you're like, oh, you know, I should have took that lateral because once you put that screw in, you're like, it's typically this measurement, but I'm like, oh, this might be a bigger patient. It might be on too much of an angle. And you start, you know, getting inside your head. You're like, let me just get that lateral view. And then you can kind of see. Yeah, you don't want to skip steps. Measure twice, cut once. Yeah. Absolutely. I don't care how long I've been doing this. I've been doing this 23 years. <laughs> still measure twice, cut once. It's still, you know, light, light construction work. There we go. So we got that little screw in there now. So, so that's our osteotomy. That's going to do a lot for decompressing the joint, improving range of motion. And now we're going to use our, our template system to pick out the right size of our implant here. So here's kind of a little recap on, oh, cool. on that yeah. uh, resection, the, the guide you use, that wafer that we removed, and we're literally just physically decompressing that joint and shifting it backwards and down. Mm -hmm. Works beautifully. All right, so now we're going to dive into the hemi implant. Yep. That should be where we go from here. So we, there's a... There's a paddle system that has a bunch of different. I think I. Yeah, I'm just recontouring the head. Yeah, you know, I'm taking the, the little overhang off the neck. Oh, yeah. Yeah. After you move it over, you've got an overhang you want to get rid of. So now we've got to figure out what size Hemi. So this paddle system allows us to yeah, these put are nice. several paddles in there. So that looks like it matches. Then you can put a guide wire through that middle hole and. Tam, tam, tam. Tam, tam, tam. And if you want, you can take some x-ray films that I'm pretty sure we, we did just to make sure we like that. So these implants are press fit. If you can almost <laughs> imagine um, like a mushroom, like a reverse mushroom, I don't know what you want to say. Uh, you got that long stem that goes into the base of that phalanx up towards the distal end of the toe. And then you have that little cupped end, which will match the opposite. So this is our trial. Yeah. 
this is this is the trial implant that comes with the set for that particular size paddle and you know you, you, these joints are tight and so sometimes it's a little difficult to get that in yeah. there you got to really kind of sometimes crank on the toe a little bit um, but and then you can you can literally shove that phalanx yeah, into the first med head and, and there we go. Boink. Then then you get some X-rays and you see what you got. And look at that toe. I mean, that's in great alignment. It's in a much toe. better position. Yeah. yeah, that's the X-ray, X-ray machine. machine. Yeah, there we go. All right, so, so we're taking out the trial. And then we've got a brooch. So we've, that's our brooch. Our brooch is creating the the shelf-like hole that f- matches the stem from your permanent implant. Yeah, and that prevents any rotation. Right. And uh, I, I mean, mean, slam this puppy home, and yeah. and then you, there's a device that we can use to uh, tamp it into place gently without messing it up. So these are chromium cobalt, yeah, which is a, a you know really good metal for implants. Very it's been inert. Studied for decades. Yeah. I think my ring is actually cobalt chromium too. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's very very uncommon to have anybody react to that yeah. that metal. Very inert. Doesn't scratch your body. Like I said, it doesn't react to it. So Dr. D is making sure that placement's appropriate. We had um, some soft tissue getting in the way, so we moved that out yeah, of the, the way. capsule. Yep, and then bang, bang, bang. The nice thing about these ones are that they're all metallic, and people are like, oh, well, what about metal, you know, abrading my joint? That metal is smooth. It is like ice. It, it, I've never seen – I've gone yeah. back in on these for other reasons, and I've yeah. never seen, like, uh, yeah. metal breakdown, any sort of – like silastic uh, reaction or anything like or, that, the silicone or, reactions uh, or whatever. Breakdown of, of the metal itself um, where you get the gray kind of ugly looking yeah. crud you, you see from foreign bodies sometimes. Do you ever use those uh, those silicone ones, those silastic implants or whatever they're called? No, I'm not a big fan. Yeah. I, in residency, we took a ton of those out. Yeah, because you end up getting that silicone uh, reaction or whatever uh, like your body. You get all kinds of fibrosis. The debris. Yeah, yeah, not my favorite. So yeah, these things work beautifully. I'm a big fan of them. Um, there's less dissection than the head implants. So you could replace the head. You, there's a cap, that yeah, uh, the handicap procedure that you can put over the yeah. head. It's more dissection. You're removing a little bit more bone. I've taken several of those out and converted them to the hemis. And if, and if you, for whatever reason, didn't the patient didn't like what they got, you've removed very little bone. You can yeah. always take this out and then fuse it. Yeah. So it doesn't burn any bridges. These the end are, all be these all. Are great. Yeah, the goal is preserve motion as much as possible, and it, and allow you to provide pain relief. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's literally you know end stage arthritis that we're we're fixing. Like, look at this, and then at the end that you got great range of motion. And these patients are so happy. You know, they really they have little or no pain, and they're able to get back into doing what they want to do. That's uh, just a great procedure. What's your recovery protocol? So I'm, I'm pretty aggressive on the, the range uh, of motion afterwards. Yeah, I would say, but I usually just use a post-op shoe yeah. because the osteotomy is no different than a bunion. Yeah. So I usually don't make them non-weight-bearing or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, most of the time these patients are weight-bearing. I don't know why I threw that non-weight-bearing stuff in there. Well, but I mean, it depends needed. on, uh, you know, if, if they had significant osteopenia, uh, you didn't want uh, stress yeah. risers or anything, it would make sense to do that. But Yeah, so typically... My protocol is I'm weight-bearing them right after surgery, no restrictions, as long as they're in that surgical shoe or boot. About that one-week mark after they come in, I'm having them do passive range of motion. It's a little tender. It's a little uh, achy, but they're doing it on their own. They're not using any force. And then usually that three- to four-week mark, then I'm having them crank away at it, get that aggressive motion going. Yeah, you don't want it to to scar in poorly or fibrosin. Yeah, after all that work, you don't want want it to be stiff again. Right. If you baby it too much... (laughs) And, and you can get them into PT and have yeah. the physical therapist work yeah. with them. That's a reasonable thing to do a for this. A little distraction, cranking, mm-hmm. you know. 
But yeah, these do wonderfully well. Patients uh, pretty much have a brand new foot after this. The pain is nearly completely gone. Most of the time, it's, it's zero pain. Most of the time, it's 100% relieved. Yeah. Within four weeks, they're yeah. like back to doing what they want to do. It's so cool. The, the osteotomy adds a little bit of... Yeah, six weeks. For, yeah, you know, a, a little bit longer recovery. If you were just slamming in the implant, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'd let them get back to doing what they want to do after two weeks once yeah. the stitches are out. But the osteotomy, you want that to heal uh, appropriately. So we do protect them for probably four to six weeks. But then they're back into an athletic shoe doing whatever they want. Yeah, yeah, these things work wonderfully. But I mean, that's pretty much it as far as that case goes. <laughs> well, that was awesome. Thanks for putting that together, Dr. Hussein. And that was a quick hitter, Halix Rigidus surgery combo from our first first one or two 2022. Uh, shows back in 2020. Combined with the with the surgery, I think that is a really nice overview of, of how you can correct this problem for folks. Take a look at us on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on YouTube, specifically YouTube if you want to watch the videos, yeah, and, the videos see are the, great. and see the PowerPoint. So hope you guys are enjoying these, and we will see you next time on The Pod, the Pod Doctors. Thank you for listening to The Pod Doctors. We appreciate all of our listeners and subscribers. If you'd like to hear more, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and watch our videos on YouTube. Like, thumbs up, subscribe, be safe. See y'all next time. Bye-bye.